Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at beersandbible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at beersandbiblep1. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 68 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And we are glad to be back with you again. Yeah. What's going on there, Anthony? Man, I'll tell you what, uh, the weather down here in South Alabama cannot decide if it wants to be cold or not cold. Because two days ago, it was like 30 degrees. And when I went out to get in my truck in the morning, there was ice on it. And this morning, it was 60 degrees. And it was not cold. Well, so. we're in what uh, what we call around here fall spring, or we're coming out of fall spring into second winter, maybe, because we had those <laughs> we had like three days where it was like close to sixty degrees, mm-hmm. and uh, then it's been back down in the mid forties, you know, the last couple of days. So I hate I hate this kind of weather for the record. I just wish it would decide. I don't care. I I just wish it would decide to be something for longer than 20 minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. yeah. So you don't have to, you're like, oh, I've got a coat. And I'll also wear short sleeves and shorts for later on this afternoon. Yes, I mean, my my mentality is just dress for what it's going to be like later in the day. So if that means you have to suffer early in the day, then yeah. you'll eventually get over it, I guess. So I can get behind that. The worst part is when you think it's going to get warm and it never actually does. And you're, and, stu- you're and you're stuck in like, shorts. You're stuck in like board shorts and a tank top because you're an idiot. <laughs> yes, I may or may not have done that once or twice. Yeah, I think we in all have. Life. That's okay. So, so. but uh, here we What's go. What's going on up there, man? In North Georgia, you know, um, things are going good. We're still uh, work is going as well as it can. My mm-hmm. industry, the business I work for, um, we're busy enough. Which is a speaker manufacturing company. Yeah, a speaker manufacturing <laughs> With- company. Uh, we don't have to have that kind of stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, we're still learning. It's only the second episode where it's, our yeah, personas sorry. have been dropped. So, but um, you know, we're just we're busy enough to to stay. You know, keep keep doing things. Uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, is a Friday, and we're getting a fence at our house. So we'll have that going on. Um, Are you pumped about that? I, I I've told you already. I am. <laughs> More excited about that than just about anything in my adult life. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> yep, get to get to go pay some guys to get me a fence. So heck but, yeah! But we're excited about that. My wife is really excited about that because she'll be able to let the dogs out and not have to go out with them. So not have to chase um, them down the street or something. Yeah, dude, I, I didn't tell you. So in preparation, maybe I did. I don't remember. But in preparation for that, uh, we did some. A little bit of landscaping, pulled some stuff out of the out mm-hmm. of the yard and stuff like that. And there was a big pond thing in our backyard, and we I got the water out and pulled it up. And there were three frogs living underneath this pond. Yeah, you sent me a picture of it. Yeah, they were awesome. Listeners, I, I'm not kidding. One of these frogs was as big as my hand. 
which is pretty big. Yeah, it, it's a it was a big. I mean, it's frog. a normal man sized hand. Yeah, it was it was pretty but that's large. Big for a frog. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, how'd y'all get in there? And why won't you leave? <laughs> they eventually you don't have to leave my property. <laughs> they eventually left, and we filled it with dirt. So no more frogs. And now my son and my dogs won't fall into a 16 inch deep hole. So, so did you, did you, uh, did you do frogicide? Did you kill frogs? No, I just let them leave. I just, I just just let them be. And the next morning they were gone. Well, I'm glad to know you're not evil. Probably picked up by a Falcon or something (laughs) or an owl. We have owls around here. So dude, owls will, owls will yank anything off of the ground. They They don't care. I know my wife is hoping they yank one of our dogs up. (laughs) Be careful, they'll yank your children up. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, now that we're <laughs> completely that was a rabbit trail. <laughs> it was And this is this is nothing y'all, new for us, so y'all just thought it was bad before. It's now that we don't wh- have to hide who we are. You just wait. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh Anthony, what have you got to drink tonight? Let's get into our beer review. What do you have so, to drink tonight? So I have this thing from Ghost Train and it is called uh, the Switchman Stash, and it is an IPL, and it is made in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, the reason I bought this one is very interesting. If you'll remember from episode 66, we had my friend Steve on, free time brewing. He brews at his house, and he talked about brewing an IPL. And he was like, you know, I've always thought he had just made that up. But apparently he has not made that up, or he is so cutting edge that he's actually influencing what breweries do. Just by talking on our podcast. I doubt that's the case. but Yeah, since that podcast um, has only been out for like six weeks. <laughs> so this is an IPL in India Pale Lager, uh, which is different from an India Pale Ale. It's brewed differently. I, something I have learned over the, over our break is that a, let's see if I can get this right, an ale is brewed warm with the hops on top, and a lager is brewed cold with the hops on the bottom. Okay. That is the difference between an ale and a lager. If I read the book and I understood the book right, so you usually this, do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to your judgment <laughs> on that. Um, so yeah, that's the difference between an ale and a lager. So this one is brewed. It's still in a pale ale, uh, so I'm ex- expecting it to be pretty light. But it is brewed like a lager. So it is an India pale lager with an ABV of six point nine, and and I'm not sure how I feel about this IBUs of seventy one point seven. Um. So this is, according to the website, it is a hoppy beer, and we're going to see what happens. I was about so, to say, you don't like hoppy beers at I all. I typically don't. We're going to see how this plays out. But uh, but I, I was just I bought it because it was an IPL, and you know I'm going to try it. IPAs have grown on me a little, little bit. Maybe this one will. So what do you have for tonight? Well, cool. So I've got I'm going back to 21st Amendment Brewery. They are based out in California. Um, I've got the Brew Free or Die Blood Orange IPA. Um, it's, blue, it's brewed with blood oranges. It's got an ABV of 7% and 70 IBUs, so it's also mm. up there in the IBU range. But I kind of – I I enjoy bitter beers a little more than you do. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see if it says what it pairs with, and it does not here. Yeah, the the Ghost Train website has like nothing about the beer itself, and when you click on the beer, it just takes you to the untapped ratings. Mm. So, and untapped is a, a social media platform for yeah for it, beer drinkers, basically. It's, a, it's Facebook for alcoholic. I mean, beer drinkers. 
<laughs> hey, now, I haven't untapped. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, it's uh, I, I actually probably should join it, too, because it's a lot of guys uh, and folks get on there and, and post about their beers. And, I mean, you, you end up getting honest reviews about beers yeah. instead of what the brewery is trying to say to convince you that their beer is good. So, um, But, yeah, there we go. So we got 21st Amendment, the Blood Orange. We've got Ghost Train with the IPL. This one says, drink it cold and drink it now. So I think we should uh, take that advice. Yeah, let's do it. So just pop them open in three, pop. two, two, one. one. Oh, yeah. Mm. I love that sound. There are a few sounds that are better. So this smells really interesting. It doesn't smell sour. Mine smells like an IPA. Like every other IPA you've ever smelled in your life, it smells exactly mm-hmm. the same. This one's similar to an IPA, but it's like I can definitely smell the IPA, mm-hmm. but it's not quite as strong as an IPA. You see that right there? Got about the same color going on. Yeah. So I think you... That's some good color. So um, the first beer I had from 21st Amendment was the Heller High Watermelon, which was... Which got five Luthers. Which was fantastic. So I'm hoping that this is going to be... Um, Another fantastic beer. I might go back to back five Luthers. I don't know. That would be amazing. Mine definitely. If a brewery got back to back five Luthers, would would that be the first brewery that got double or like two five Luthers from us? I don't know. We would. I think so. Anyway, so. But I'm ready to let's drink, drink. So and find out. <laughs> so let's drink. Bottoms up. Oh wow! This is this is interesting. Mine's pretty interesting, too. <clears throat> All right. I'm still deciding, so I'm going to let you go first okay. this week. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, mine is really good. It's a little bit – I mean, it's definitely very bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that very classic IPA um, bite at the end. The, right. the orange flavor is actually not overpowering. It's not. It's not sweet at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually had a blood orange. Are they sweet? So they they are a little sweet. Um, it's funny because in the last few months I have I've had this drink when I'm not drinking beer. I'll make and it's called Crack and Punch, mm-hmm. and you use blood orange sour mix. Okay. Which is I mean, which is essentially like margarita mix, but it's made with blood oranges. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Mixed with orange juice and pomegranate juice and Kraken. You mix all that together and it's, it's re- it'll hurt you is what it'll do if it you're sounds, not careful. It sounds like it. It is delicious. It, 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 I mean, it's so good. But so, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's got the, the taste of orange without the tang of orange, if that makes sense. I got gotcha. you. To yeah. me, like, it's almost like grapefruit kind That's of. That's what I was about to say, that this has a very strong grapefruit taste. Yep, which is typically off-putting for me. However, it's not gonna drive the score of this beer down. It's not <laughs> gonna be five Luthers. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna come in at four Luthers this week on this one. Okay, it's pr- it's okay. still pretty good. It's um, it's pretty much exactly what I was expecting. Um, but as an IPA, I'm have I'm gonna have a hard time giving it five. Mm-hmm. But it's still good. In I in, tw- in Twenty First Amendment. You, you're two for two in my book as far as <laughs> as far as uh, what you're doing. So keep that up. Quality beers. Yep. 
So, well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Mine is mine is interesting because it has it has to me the texture of a lager with the uh, flavor of an IPA. And it's it's not again like we we've talked about the IBU ratings and how they're almost kind of misnomered a little bit because I don't feel like this is seventy IBUs. You know, I've I've had thirties and forties that I feel like are more bitter than this one. Now, I can definitely taste the hops in this thing, and I know hops are going to make it bitter. Mm-hmm. But it's just not it's it's not what I was expecting out of a seventy. And so, you know, for for me, it's it's. I feel like it should be lower, but I mean, they're the experts. They're the ones that brew it and, and give it the numbers. So yeah, and, I have to trust their and, numbers and, on it. And we have learned that the numbers are really ambiguous depending on what brewery. Yeah. Like, some of, what do they, they did the realized and the perceived, mm-hmm. like the actual and the perceived yeah, yeah, yeah. IBUs. So I don't know what they're using, uh, but I don't feel like this one is as bitter as a 70, 71 rating would give it. Um, but it's a, this is a good beer. Um, I could enjoy this with dinner. I could enjoy this relaxing. Uh, I'm not going to gush over it. It's it's not that great to me, but it's good. So I'm going to come in, and I'm going to give it three and a half Luthers. Oh, dang. Okay. Um, which, are, you know, for me on on, a, on an IP anything is, is pretty standard. That's going to be where I land most of the time. But mm-hmm. um, I could drink this. I'm probably not going to, like, get excited about it or be like, man, I really want one of those. But if it's there and it's the only option, I wouldn't mind having one. So, so while you're talking, I was able to pinpoint the flavor of mine. It yeah. tastes a little bit like orange peel. Mm. Like if you grate orange peel and you use it for orange zest, yes. um, if you use it for something like in baking or something like that, that's the flavor that this beer is. Nice. So it's nice. you know it's not that juicy sweet of an orange. Yeah, but it's not that super super bitter of a grapefruit either. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of the bridge between the two. So nice. That's actually not bad. I'm it's pretty four good. Luthers. Yeah, four Luthers is is uh, is pretty good. Pretty good for us. So, well, there's some beer review. Uh, that's the uh, the twenty first amendment, blood orange, and the ghost train. Switchman's, Switchman's stash. stash. I, and when I first looked at this, I thought it said Scottman's stash, Scotsman's stash, but it doesn't say Switchman's stash. So, I would be curious what our average Luther rating has been from the get. I would say it's probably in the three and a half to four range. Most yeah. of our stuff comes in three and a half to yeah. four. So I, I would just be curious what that is, and we could easily figure that out. But that's, we might figure that out by next week and let you know. Yeah. So, well, all right. Well, we've reviewed now, our beer. Now it's time to talk about the bottle. Let's do it. Welcome back. We uh, we have drank a little bit of beer, and now we're feeling good. So we we introduced last week. We t- we said we we're going to go kind of verse by verse through the book of Habakkuk, and 
in, in all of the irony of the world, uh, not really of the world, that's, that's an overstatement, but in great irony, um, we picked Habakkuk, you know, maybe three or four weeks ago, not fully realizing how completely 100% applicable this book is going to be to really, I mean, what Christians need to be thinking about today and the next four years, eight years, 10, 12 years, however long we're on this earth, you know, um, <clears throat> because socially it, it's pretty apparent that, that Christians are on the fringes of being attacked, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, and so this book is going to be a book and Habakkuk is this guy where he's on the fringes. He, he's, he's been marginalized. Realistically, he's been marginalized and, and he's out here going, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and where yet? Yeah. So yeah, he he's he's seeing the things that are going on around him, and realizing that his obedience isn't enough to save those around him. Yeah, you know, and, and there you know there's some wickedness going on that we'll we'll talk about, and um, that Habakkuk doesn't have any control over, and he's talking to God and going, "Hey God, what's the deal?" What's going on? <laughs> you know, there are a lot of similarities between Job and and Habakkuk. So um, yeah, we're going to see those as we dive in. But as we dive in, um, we're just going to start. We're gonna we're gonna read uh, the passage for tonight. Like I said, we're going to talk through this verse by verse. We're going to talk about um, how it applies. We're gonna we're gonna talk about what we have learned from these passages each week. But uh, but we're going to start each week by reading the passage for for the night's discussion. And so if you want to grab your Bible and turn to the book of Habakkuk, and um, we're going to start, I'm actually going to pick up in verse 2, because verse 1 is really just says, this is the oracle of Habakkuk, and this is what he saw. Uh, Dude, is that a lightsaber? Yeah, it's just a a pen with a light in it. Oh, it might be a lightsaber. (laughs) Oh, dude, it's a lightsaber. (laughs) (laughs) Again with the squirrel. (laughs) Sorry. I've got a pen that I'm using for really the first time that I got for like Christmas or something. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't realize it's. I just saw it lit up, but it's it, it's legit Darth Vader's lightsaber. lightsaber, dude. That's awesome. Sorry, digress. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Back to Habakkuk. Should probably turn the um, light off. Okay. <laughs> so, so we're gonna pick up in uh, in Habakkuk, and we're gonna start in verse two, and we're gonna read through verse twelve or through verse eleven tonight. So Habakkuk, here we go. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Now this is the Lord's answer. Pick it up in verse 5. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagles, swift to devour. They come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. 
Then they sweep like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. Man, that's a, <laughs> that is uh if you if you're talking conversation, that's a that's a pretty rich conversation right there. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's really kind of eye-opening to see all this all this stuff play out and while in modern day we don't see like guys on horses swifter than leopards and and mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't see some of the stuff we, that they talk about when we get to the end of this of this section he talks about their strength being their god how many people and i know we're this is probably jumping way ahead but i just want to touch on it while it's on my mind because <laughs> if i don't i will forget <laughs> <laughs> i will too but you know how many he, you know he says uh, their strength is their God. How many people, especially people who are Christians or claim to be Christians, live their life based on their own strength or mm-hmm. without the strength of God? They don't. And, and, and I'm not saying that every single Christian is in perfect relationship with God and and it's everything is is great in every person's life. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there are so many people who try to live life on their own strength, and then when things start to fall apart around them, they're like, what's going on? Why is this happening? Yeah. <clears throat> and that question of why is really what Habakkuk is asking in his, in his section here. He asks why. Um, in my version, he asks why uh, three different times. Mm-hmm. He asks, why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you t- tolerate wrongdoing? And then he says, this is why um, the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. So. Habakkuk's big overarching question in, in his first in his first I guess dialogue to God is why is this happening and where are you yeah yeah um you know it's it's interesting because because he's looking at the nation of Judah um and he's he's seeing lawlessness he's seeing workers of iniquity you know he's seeing all of these things happening within the nation of Judah mm-hmm. um Something that that I'm going to hit on and I'm going to parallel a lot on is a lot of times we read the Bible as if, like, the nation of Judah equals the nation of America. And and that's just—that's simply not true. And it's not a true equivalent uh, comparison to to make. And so so while Habakkuk is talking about a nation here, a better understanding—and I think— Christians need to realize this, a better understanding of this passage is to say the church, Mm -hmm. you know, Habakkuk is looking at the church and he's seeing, you know, these people who are doing workers of iniquity, man, how many times have, have we seen in the last couple of years of pastors falling prey to sexual sin or some, some type of unethical behavior or, you know, something that causes disdain to be cast on the church as a whole. And so, Instead of trying to read a civilization or a society into this into this passage, let's really take an introspective look at this and say, man, how is this true in the church? What are we doing to fight this in the church? Let's worry about the church first, and then we can turn outward and fix the nation. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you see America in the Bible anywhere, you need a different Bible. Yes. But, like, there's there's no— America, the United States of America is not in our scripture. And so trying to, to push America into it mm-hmm. is is really this idea of um, 
oh, what are they calling it now? Like patriotic. It's, it's like patriotic evangelism. Patriotic Christian God. nationalism. Christian is what nationalism. It is. Yes, that's what it is. And, and and I'm not saying don't don't hear me say this and think that I'm like an, a non patriot or whatever. Like <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, you should denounce your country or whatever. But I'm saying that as believers, we don't have the luxury to say that America it comes before our walk with Jesus. Yes. Like our walk with Jesus should be first and foremost before anything else in our life. And that includes – I mean if you're married, that includes your wife or mm-hmm. your husband. If that if you have kids, that includes your kids before your job, before, um, before what you do in the church, but also before your citizenship – citizenship <laughs> to your country like yeah and and i understand people have fought for their for their country all over the world and i am very thankful for the men and women who fight for our right to 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 do what we're doing do what tonight. we're doing <laughs> but if the united states of america ceased to exist tomorrow what about my life would be different yeah in relation to my walk with jesus exactly well, if we if we actually believe that the church is a worldwide thing, something that is every tribe and every nation, mm-hmm. then we need to act accordingly. Yeah. And and if 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 you're going to say that this book is is about America, well then what's to keep an an Iranian Christian from saying this book is about Iran? Yeah. What's to keep a African Christian from saying this book is about Africa? Yeah. You I know. I mean, remember back to the first episode. The Bible says what it means and means what it says. Mm-hmm. If, if it said, if it was meant, if a certain book was to be about America, it would say America. If a yes, certain book would. Was, would, if I didn't bring two, so I was about to like slide <laughs> over to my fridge and get another one. Um, but if a, if a book, you know, a book is a written by a certain person for certain people at a certain time. And we can pull truths and apply them, but we can't put ourselves into those stories. We can't we right. can't put ourselves into these into these books and say, "Oh, this is exactly like what's happening in America." Yes, it's not. It's similar, but it's it's never going to be exactly the same as what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, realistically speaking, you have to you have to read the church into this uh, into this book. Because the further on we go, the further we get into this, the more we're going to see that Habakkuk is is not he, – he's looking at Judah and saying, hey, Judah, you've got to straighten yourself out. You've got to get yourself fixed. You've got to do something here or something bad. You know, the judgment of God is going to come down on you. And, and so, you know, church, church, we have to do something. We have to say we're going to engage the culture differently. We have to say we're going to look at culture differently than we have for the last 40 to 50 years because yeah. something hasn't worked right, and we have found ourselves in such a, a state of hypocrisy with the culture at large mm-hmm. because of the way that we have treated our relationship between God and country over the last 40 to 50 years. Yeah. And so something has to change. You know, I, I think of I think of the the um, end of Judges where it says that, you know, every there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. As as a nation, as as an American nation, we are getting very close to that point. But 
even more sadly than that, as a church, we are getting to that point. Right. We're getting to the point where we're almost adopting this cultural norm of relativity that says, I'm going to do what's right for me, you do what's right for you, and, and we'll just go our own separate ways about everything. That's not what we're called to be as Christians. Yeah. We're called to be people who live adhering to what the Word of God teaches us to do. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what you're going to see in Habakkuk. He's going to you know he's going to point out that they're worshiping idols. He's going to point out all of these things, and he's going to say, "You have forsaken the Lord. You've forsaken the law of the Lord." You know, I look at I look at verse uh, four in this thing where it says, "So the law was paralyzed, and justice never goes forth." Mm-hmm. And and when I wrote a little note out here to the side of that verse that says, when the church is ineffective, lawlessness runs rampant. Because the church is the one who should be not enforcing the law, so to speak. You know, it's not about making strict standards or or making people wear a specific type of clothing or anything like that. But it is about saying, this is what the Word of God teaches. This yeah. is the Word of God. Yeah, we, we, not, should, be, we should be modeling the law. Not saying exactly. If you don't, if you don't live like this, then you're a hellion. You're destined to yes, uh, paganism or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, but because the church has abandoned its its idea of of adhering to the word of God and has gone to this, you know, we need to be sensitive to the to the society and we need to be uh, sensitive to seekers and. You know, whatever that looks like, because they have done this almost bargaining with society, mm-hmm. we've gotten to a point where there's no lawless, there's no lawfulness in the church. And so that has, you know, Galatians says you reap what you sow. So it's it seems pretty clear to me we have sown lawlessness in the church, and therefore we're reaping lawlessness outside of the church. Yeah. It's, all, it's almost like we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. I, I feel like, like that's in one of those gospels somewhere. That's, that's doesn't doesn't someone say that somewhere <laughs> at some time? So seems like this guy named Jesus said yeah. something about that. I mean, but you're I mean you're you're totally right, and and I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of it, like of being in the world but not of the world. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that we all struggle with, and we will continually struggle with until we're glorified. Yeah. Um, but it's understanding that that is part of the struggle. Yeah. And knowing that and being conscious of that and having a plan to combat it um, so that we don't get so caught up in mm-hmm. all the things that we were just talking about. Yeah. And so but because the church has fallen into this this state of lawlessness, you know, is kind of the way Habakkuk puts it. Um, our society has really fallen. And, and mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the book here, Judah had fallen into that. Yeah, And so, you know, what we need to ask ourselves and, and kind of a take home point from this, what we should be asking ourselves is, do we have the same perspective on sinfulness that Habakkuk had? Mm-hmm. And and now be careful with this. We need to have a perspective on sinfulness of society. We need to call a spade a spade, but we also have to do it with with love. Yeah, there has to be grace and there has to be truth. And, and the two have to be have to be balancing each other out. Yeah, it it, it is and we've talked about it uh, probably a hundred times. You are not any more effective standing on a corner screaming at the lost people that they're destined to go to hell in a hateful tone mm-hmm. than if you are like sweetly telling people that we accept them as they are 
you know, like the, those two, you, you can't, you have to be able to marry the two. Yes. And, and that, I feel like that is really the struggle that a lot of churches have had. Yeah. Especially well, in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. We, we've gotten to a point in our society where everything has to be this mutually exclusive statement. Either you are for something or you are against something. There's there's no room for nuance and there's no room for conversation in our mm-hmm. society anymore. And and unfortunately, that has come because of the polarization of the church. Right. You know, how many times is it have we seen, well, you don't agree with me, you can go on down the street and start another church. And then a church splits. And, and and that's what you have. You have this polar this polarizing everything becomes a hill to die on. Yeah. And, you know, there's... And, and really like how many of those hills are worth it? Like how many there's how many of those hills are like doctrine or script? I would or... venture to say ninety nine point nine 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 percent of those hills don't matter. Okay. <laughs> that's what I would be willing to say. <laughs> More often than not, it's on things the, like the color of the carpet. I was, was going to say, the, the color of the Jones Memorial carpet does not matter. <laughs> right. And, it, and it's really sad that our human nature has clouded our our vision and our cl- clouds us so much to where we can't separate the fact that these things matter and these things don't. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there are certain things that are very important and we should be very critical of Mm -hmm. if there's, you know, some changes being made, but there's some other things that I feel like a lot of Christians worry about. Yeah. That aren't worth the time. And it, and it's exhausting to like, I, I see people who are worried about, you know, whatever. And I'm sitting there going, I am so, I would be so exhausted if I sat up in, if I was up late at night thinking about, the things that you're worried about. Yeah. Like that, that yeah. just doesn't make sense to me how if we if we say we trust the God of the universe who put us here for a specific time for a specific purpose, then what's it matter if so and so wore ripped jeans to church one Sunday? <laughs> like what does it matter? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll I'll pour a little salt in the wound. What does it matter if America becomes a socialist country? Ooh. You know. If, if we truly believe that, and and that's the thing, is socialism bad? Yes, I believe socialism is bad. I believe socialism is against human flourishing. It is not good for humanity. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, socialism and capitalism don't mean a hill of beans to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, See, and, I, I went like really like surface level with my example, and you just went like <laughs> – you dove from like a thirty foot diving board into the deepest end possible. I like it. I, I think that's great. I think that shows you know, the difference in our um, our in our levels of wisdom there. <laughs> but but I mean, think about what what Habakkuk is is looking at here. You know, he's looking at a country where he sees complete lawlessness. He sees realistically, he sees utter depravity mm-hmm. in in his fellow countrymen. You know, Does he see total depravity? Total depravity. <laughs> what? He might. You know, almost but, like man but, is destined. What? Stop it! Stop your Calvinism. Come <laughs> but, on, Patrick. <laughs> come on, Patrick. <laughs> so, one day we'll tell the story of how we got our pseudo names, but that day is not today. Um, but 
you know, he sees this and and he he is lamenting over this. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing is as a church, as Christians, we need to see the state of our people and we need to lament over the the state of our people, but then we need to do something about it. Yeah. You know, we need to take because here's the thing, Habakkuk as as great and wonderful and and spirit-filled as Habakkuk is, and it is a great book. I've read it through a couple of times now. The the reality is that the culmination of the gospel has not yet come into the world when Habakkuk writes this. Mm-hmm. And so the story is still being told when Habakkuk writes this. Now, everything that he writes points forward to Christ. Everything that he's going to write says, hey, this is terrible. It's awful. Something's coming. Hey, this is awful. God's responding. Something's coming. Mm-hmm. And, and so... That hope, that that restoration, that 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 is coming. Yeah, and, it's and a, that's it's very anticipatory. Yes, like, like, of something like this is bad. Yes, but something very good is coming. We just have to keep pushing through. Yes, and it, and it puts Christians today. If we put ourselves in Habakkuk's shoes, it puts us at a place where we say we have to look at the lostness of society. We have to see it. And we have to say, no, there is hope. We, we can't say that there is no hope. We have to say that there is hope, and that hope is found in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, Habakkuk didn't know who Jesus Christ was yet. I, I assume that. You know, I, I don't know that he didn't have some kind of like supernatural knowledge. I guess he could have, but he didn't write about it, so I'm not going to say that he did. But it, at, the, at the end of the day, we have that knowledge. We have the full revelation of the person and work of Jesus Christ, and we need to stand in that. And when, when we look at society, we can weep over the lostness of society, and we can, we can weep to the point where we can say, man, I feel like there is no hope, but we need to turn that corner and say, but there is hope, and the hope is found in, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to be taking to a society. Mm-hmm. As a church, that's what we need to be taking to a society who has set up idols, who has set up everything that it can possibly do. You know, I could probably give a hundred examples of ways that people are setting up idols in society, in church, and culture. To, you know, name name one, and I could probably give it to you. Mm-hmm. And but but we're doing that because we're destined to create, you know, uh, Calvin always calls us the perpetual idol idol factories. That our hearts are perpetual idol factories. Mm-hmm. When one idol gets knocked down, we'll put up another one. When that one gets knocked down, we'll put up another one. We're we're continually finding idols. Yeah. And and the church has to come in and say, you've got to break down these idols. You can only fill it with the person of Christ. Yeah. And I feel like that is the challenge of separating society from your walk with Jesus, because mm-hmm. there's so much about so much about our church life revolves around our identity as people, you know, yeah. who, who, you know, where we're from, who our favorite football teams are, what we do for work. Like, and then you go to church and you talk about those things yeah, in a community with people. And I'm not saying those things are, bad or immoral or whatever, mm-hmm. but our, we find our identity in those things. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Y'all need to, you know, I'm most important. Those things are not bad, but you still need to keep them in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. 
because when you when you get them out of perspective and and I wonder if that's if that's really kind of almost like a root of what Habakkuk is talking about here mm-hmm. when he says things like you know uh, the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth and the wicked surround the righteous uh, and justice is perverted when he says stuff like that is he looking at this group of people Judah who are creating idols and they're creating lawlessness and and they're not they're not following mm-hmm. the the guidelines that they have from Torah and the prophets and the and you know at this point you have all of the Torah you have a lot of the writings of David um you know you have a lot of these things and so they're not bound up in in a bible like we would have today but mm-hmm. but they would have access or they would have the ability to get a hold of some of these things and mm-hmm. so do you, i wonder if he's looking at that and saying man this is terrible and and we have to do something about this and and he's he's voicing this in this lament back to god and saying you know uh, i i love this quote from the book um uh, I told y'all we were going to be using the the uh, Christ-centered exposition series, and I loved this quote. We were kind of reading about this and studying about this passage, and it just says, The moral and spiritual bankruptcy of the nation's leadership also sent people into a downward spiral towards spiritual and moral disintegration. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I kind of added a little note, and, and, and because I've done this comparison between the nation and the church, and I, so I added this, you know, the moral and spiritual bankruptcy of the church's leadership. Um. Is leading to this this spiritual disintegration of society. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're the ones that are supposed to be holding the torch. We're supposed to be holding the torch in truth and love. How do we continue to do that? How do we continue to grow in that? Being a, in and and here's the thing: Christ said that people were going to hate us. People were going to revile us. So. We shouldn't expect for people to love us. We shouldn't expect for people to treat us fairly. We shouldn't expect to be hailed as, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning people in in the world. Right. Because we're not according to the world's standards. We don't do things according to the world's standards. Right. And so no matter what, we have to be the the definition, the the line drawn in the sand mm-hmm. that says, man. I love you. I wish you would do something different. This is what the Bible teaches me, and because I place so much authority on what the Bible teaches me, I have to do it this way. I have to believe this. Yeah. You know, it, it all, you almost get to this Martin Luther type of stance where he says, unless I'm convinced from from sound reason and Scripture, basically the use of Scripture logically correct, mm-hmm. unless I'm convinced, I can't do anything else. I'm yeah. bound. My my mind is held captive by the word of God, is what Luther says. Yeah. So so, what do you think the problem is in the church today when we talk about like, you know, getting to that line in the sand moment where, um, we've got to, you know, make a decision? And I feel like, I, and I'm I'm speculating here. I don't know, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of times people, you know, Christians, very well intended, well intended mm-hmm. Christians will make decisions that don't reflect the person of Jesus, that don't reflect their identity as believers. And, right. and I'm wondering if that's because of uh, – if it's spiritual immaturity, if it's lack of knowledge of the of the scripture, um, if it's you know, just I, like a, a weakness to conform to society. Like I don't know what that is. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are. It's it, – I, I, honestly, I think it could be a little bit of all three of those things. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, I, I think as a culture, as a Christian subculture, we have we have allowed doctrinal teaching and theological teaching to take a back burner to um, societal acceptance. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I think is the right way to, to say that. I don't think it was. I don't. I don't think it was intended that way. But I think that's just what it was. Um, and so I think there has to be a recapturing of of a more doctrinally deep ecclesiological, and that, that's a big word. That just means the 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 way you understand the church, the study of the church. Um, I think there's going to have to be a doctrinal shift in in our ecclesiology, the way that we do church, that says we're not so much worried about what the world says we should be teaching as much as we're just going to teach what the Word of God says. Mm-hmm. And and the way to teach the Word of God, as I've said a hundred times, is expositionally, mm-hmm. word for word, verse for verse, book for book, you know, chapter for chapter, book for book. It, and you, when you systematically go through books of the Bible on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday evening, on a Wednesday evening, when you do this and when you have follow-up and when your church discipleship is, is built around what happens on one, one thing. You know, one, one of the things I love about the church that I serve at, uh, I serve at a church in, uh, in Lower Alabama called the People of Mars Hill, um, and I've been at, been at it for a while. I've, I've served here before. Uh, hashtag Marcel, not Rob Bell, not uh, oh, who is the guy in Seattle? Mark Driscoll, not affiliated at all with either of those. So go ahead and get those out. <laughs> um, but you know, as a church, uh, we have we have gone through that I can know of now. We have gone through twelve books of the Bible. Um. And, and and I'll I'll give you some examples. We've gone through Genesis, Daniel, uh, we've gone through Revelation, we've gone through Matthew, Mark, uh, we we're finishing John right now. We've gone through Ephesians, uh, we've gone through Hebrews, and and all of these books tie together mm-hmm. a, a a formulaic understanding of the greater narrative of Scripture, which is creation, fall, redemption, consummation, and it's not until we we get to an understanding that this type of thing is not going to be popular with society, but it's what is needed to create and grow and form doctrinally founded Christians. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think that is a key component of what we're going to have to see in order for society to change, because we need to get rid of and 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 you know. Maybe I'm putting somebody on blast that I shouldn't be, but we need to get rid of the Robert Jefferses and the Franklin Grahams of evangelical culture, and we need to get in line more with guys like Mark Dever and uh, Costi Hinn and you know these guys who are faithfully teaching the Word of God to to their people, and and they're not worried about being mega celebrities. I mean, if anybody has the ability to be a mega celebrity, Costi Hinn should be. He's the nephew of Benny Hinn. Mm-hmm. And and he walked away from his family in order to pursue the gospel mm-hmm. because he said he couldn't do it serving his family. Right. And and so we're going to have to have more, more things like that happen to where people are more committed to doctrinal faithfulness than they are committed to societal acceptance. 
Or the celebrity status or Or celebrity whatever. status or, you know, and, and I understand the intention behind this, but, but saying that, you know, you have to clear out barriers to get people to come to your church to accept the gospel is the biggest load of hogwash I've ever heard in my entire life. That was putting it lightly, but... <laughs> I mean, here, here's the thing. The Bible calls the gospel a barrier. What else do you want? Mm-hmm. How about you just go preach the gospel and not worry about barriers? Mm. And and you know until we can get to a point where where we can say things like that and mean it consistently in our yeah. worldview, we're not going to see change in the church. Mm. You know, I, I honestly I feel like Habakkuk. <laughs> mm. I don't know that that w- that may have not been the diatribe you were looking for. No, but, but I mean that was a. <laughs> That's a good point that I hadn't really considered is the whole idea that like you see so many churches that are, you know, making changes to be more welcoming of those who aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And, and and while we understand the sentiment behind those changes, the the gospel is never changing. And the gospel no. will always be the same. Yes. You know, the gospel that your grandfather heard is the same gospel that you heard is the same gospel your grandchild will hear. Yes. One day. So, you know, assume, you know, assuming that you can make anything easier to hear or easier to experience by making changes to your church or how you do or how you do church or how you Mm -hmm. do community or whatever it is. Assuming any of that is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I have my preferences. I prefer to sing hymns. I prefer to play in a band. I, per, you know, I have those preferences. But if I go into a church that has a pipe and an organ and they're singing hymns, here's the thing: I can worship just the same. Yeah. And if I can't worship, then the problem is me. The problem is not the church. Right. So whether you like choirs or don't like choirs, whether you like bands or you don't like bands. No matter what your preferences are, if you can't walk into a church that is not your preference and sing the songs and worship the living and almighty God, the problem is you. The problem is not the church. Right. That may have been completely off topic, but I that's felt okay. like saying that. I mean, that's a, I mean, <laughs> I think all the all of that is a good reminder because it's a gut check for us as believers. Where we're yeah. like, because I mean, your flesh gets in the way all the time. Where you're, even if oh, you're, even if you're in a church that you're you're you love to be a part of like you were talking about and they do a song and you're like eh like your flesh get in there and be like eh no i don't like yeah. that song i don't yeah that song sucks. There's, there's a few songs that are like that i'm like yeah. i don't like that song yeah and, and does that make you the curmudgeon because you don't want to sing it or does that make you you know or is that an opportunity for you to say you know what this song exalts the living god and exalts mm-hmm. the person of jesus and i'm going to sing it even if the style or the words or or the yeah. harmonies or whatever, my church has uh, taken to uh, the camp. I go to a, a church that has several campuses in North Georgia, so that narrows it down a lot. Actually, um, <laughs> it's only like forty churches that yeah. it could be now. <laughs> so, but I so um, but the campus we go to has had an all female praise team for the last few weeks. And for me, I'm struggling with worship because I can't find a note to sing. Because <laughs> they're all singing up here. They're either too high or if I sing an octave down, they're too low. So it's, you know, it's that weird, like, so what do I do now? Yeah. And, and, you know, 
the Bible says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say make a pretty noise. Yeah. So I'm sure the people well, around me are like, well, this guy shut up because. <laughs> well, I mean, even in a situation like that, you know, you don't have to sing at the top of your lungs. You can sit there and mouth the words and meditate on mm-hmm. on what the words mean and, and how they can apply to your life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, um, it, it, as much as I love my charismatic brothers, you don't have to sing and dance as loud as you possibly can at every song. Prayerful meditation is is a is an okay response in worship, mm-hmm. um, you know. And on the flip side of that, you don't have to be all solemn and stoic every time you sing. You know, having a little emotion when you sing is good. You know, it's there's a there's a song that was written a, uh, maybe a year or so ago by a guy named Andrew Peterson, and it, it, the song is "Is He Worthy." Um, obviously, Chris Tomlin covered it because that's what Chris Tomlin does. I'm surprised he didn't add a chorus to it, but you know, Chris Tomlin, a, Chris Tomlin walks by a room and is like, <laughs> Oh, that's mine now. <laughs> that, needs, that needs a chorus and it's mine. Um, but, but whenever I sing that song, whenever I hear that song, something within me just wells up and, and I, I have to fight back tears every time I've heard the song a thousand times. And every time I hear it, I have to fight back tears because it's just one of those songs that makes me contemplate, you know, do we feel the world is broken? Yes. Yes, I do. What does it mean that the world is broken? Oh, my gosh. Look at the people around me. Look at this and that. And, you know, I could point to 100 things. You know, do we do we know that all the light will come through? Yes. Yes, we do. Um you know, is anyone worthy? Is anyone able to break the seal? You know, that's straight out of the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. That is straight scripture. And and when you meditate on those things and when you think about those things, man, it for me it just it just causes an an emotional response. It's it's the band is not trying to generate an emotional response. It just causes one in me because it makes me think of the goodness and the mercy and the grace of the God that I serve. And and so so there's that, and if we're going to take that idea, this, this idea of how should the church respond and, and how, should, how should the church treat this, we really get into the last half of, of what God's response is, and we're going to kind of hit this pretty quick. Um, but, but God basically says in, in, the, in verses 5 through 11, hey, I'm doing something you don't know what it is, and that's okay. I want you to trust me. Mm-hmm. You know, he basically says the same thing that he says to Job. You're going to have to trust me. I'm doing something. He gives him a little bit. He says, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans. And even though the Chaldeans are evil, even though the Chaldeans, you know, are worldly and pagan and, and all of those things that you think uh, can't be used by God, ho, oh, hold on now. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. Yes, he can use evil people to accomplish his means. Yep. Um, no pun intended there, but, um, he's going to use the Babylonians. He's going to use the Chaldeans and he's going to bring judgment upon the nation of Judah. Mm-hmm. And, and if you've ever studied the old Testament, you know, that the, that Judah goes into Babylonian captivity and, and, it, and he uses Babylon. He uses evil to punish the people, the people of God. Yeah. Hey, I mean, God, I mean, verse five, he says, Look at the nations and observe and be utterly astounded. Like he's telling, uh, I almost said Job, he's telling Habakkuk, look, observe, and be astounded. 
So yeah. he's he's saying like, here's what's gonna, here's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I want you to, I want you to look at it. I want you to observe it, and then being astounded at my plan, you know, this is a this idea that we always assume that we know what God is gonna do in re- mm-hmm. in regards to the events going on around us. Newsflash. The stuff going on around us, he's already set into motion anyway. Yeah. Like he's he's not unaware. So, yeah. you know, we're recording this in you know mid January. Joe Biden just got inaugurated. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> God knew that that was gonna before happen. The foundations before the foundations of the, world. of the world. So he's not surprised by it. He's not caught off guard on he's not caught yeah. off guard by it. You know, we as Christians need to stop like twiddling our thumbs and be like, oh no, what's going on here? Like God has a very specific, very strategic plan. And we just have to trust that his plan is for our good and for his glory. And, mm-hmm. and if we can't, if we can't grasp that, then we need to check ourselves and see what our trust is really in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that that actually kind of leads to to something I think you said you wanted to discuss, and and I'll I'll segue this here. That leads to what Habakkuk saw in his people. Um, you know that in this in the commentary that we're kind of kind of using, they listed several different words. They listed all these different words, and and each verse talks about one aspect of of really. I mean, it's the Chaldeans, but. Honestly, I mean, we see from from Habakkuk's prayer that that Judah is not much different from the Chaldeans. Yeah, and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I'm probably gonna ruffle a few feathers, but the church is not much different from the Republican and Democrat parties these days. Yeah, you know we and and so there is a similarity here. There is a parallel. Yeah. It's not a parallel that I want to see. Yeah. The, um, the only difference really between Judah and the Babylonians or the Chaldeans is that Judah claims to be uh, God's people, or they mm-hmm. are God's people, but they're living like they're not. The Babylonians yeah. are not God's people, and they're living like they're not. Yeah. Like, like they're living like they are not God's people, whereas the Judeans should know better. Yes. And, and, yes. and it's this whole idea that like we as believers should know better to live better. Or should know to live mm-hmm. a certain way, and we choose not to. It's it really is a choice that we're not mm-hmm. making to live like what God has called us to live. Yeah, we're we're not living as people of the book, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if if the if if the Bible is going to be our our anchor, if we're going to lift the mantle of sola scriptura and say we believe in Scripture alone, do you? Do you actually believe in Scripture alone? Yeah. Well, let's talk about what Scripture teaches on certain certain things. Yeah, you know that may not necessarily align with your political persuasions. Yeah, and and I think that's part of the, another part of the issue is that we've again found our identity in things that are not backed up by Scripture or even in Scripture at all. Yeah, you know, being Republican or Democrat, I you know specifically. Um, yeah, and we, and we you know. And, and we choose that hill to die on because exactly. it's this whole idea that, you know, well, I'm a Republican because I've always been one because my dad was always one because my granddad mm-hmm. was always one. It's like it's no different than like I'm, I'm sorry that I'm going to throw you all under the bus, <laughs> but it's no different than like a Catholic who is only Catholic because 
his family has always been Catholic, and he's not really yeah. a practicing Catholic, but he identifies as Catholic. It's not any different. Yeah. So. So they they list out these words, and I think it'd be good for us to just kind of talk for a second or two on mm-hmm. on each one. The first yeah. one they say is is they were hostile. Yeah. And so, talk us talk us through so, that. They were hostile. So yeah. So this the um the commentary we're going through um something I pulled out of this that. It, the Babylonians knew how to inflict intense harm on their enemies and had developed a reputation for doing so. So like mm-hmm. if a Babylonian walked into a bar, the bar went silent and everyone was like, oh, snap, that's a Babylonian. We better not mess with him because he so – the, the Babylonians were like the Mandalorian? Is that what you just said? The Babylonians <laughs> like the really bad gang you don't want to be a part of because <laughs> once you get in, you can't get out. Like it's one yes. of those it's, – it's, 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 it's. I mean, it really is almost like a cult. Yeah. Except for they don't have a religious leader; their leaders are themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, and, and they say they the the book says they the Babylonians take whatever they want because they have the power to do so, and they have they seize lands they have no right to. Like, yeah. They just go in and they're like, "This is mine now." That'd be yeah. like if I went into your house and said and sat in your favorite chair and said, "You know what? This is mine now." I like this chair. I'm going to take it. Oh, it's not even a take it thing. I, I'm just it's it's mine now in your house, and you yeah. can have it. <laughs> Don't sit in my chair that's in your house. Yeah. So I mean, that's really uh, that's how the Babylonians were. They they were these hostile people who who took what they wanted and didn't really care for. Yeah. Who had it before? Um, Which also plays into the the second thing they bring mm-hmm. says they were haughty. Yeah. So. You know. so a law unto themselves. They don't recognize the territorial sovereignty of other nations. Um, they don't recognize the gods of other nations. Their strength as their God is, mm-hmm. um, is what scripture says. Um, and, and really when strength is your God, you don't have, you don't think you have a need for any other gods. When, right. When you can, I mean, and really believers, if you're living in your own strength, you're not relying on the strength of Jehovah anyway. Mm-hmm. So where's, where's your strength at? Where's your strength coming from? Yep. So the next thing they point out is they were hasty. Um, they're very efficient. Their military was um, efficient and ferocious. Um, mm-hmm. The you know the, the Bible says that um, their horses were swift like leopards and um, they were fierce like wolves. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, and you put those two together and. Enemies don't stand a chance. If if your no. horses are swift like leopards, you got some swift as you know what horses. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's true, and, and and it's you know they they would you know they would make an attack and it would not take long for the enemy to succumb to the Babylonians. The Babylonians had a reputation again for not having um, much trouble. Uh, beating their yeah. enemies so they're they're like persia at one point yeah 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 <laughs> in the movie 300 persia <laughs> yes Love that movie. Yeah, yeah yeah this is spot anyway <laughs> uh so the next one they were harmful um their main goal was violence they sought to uh inflict the greatest amount of harm on mm-hmm. their enemies and their victims um you know, Habakkuk says this. He he complains about the violence and oppression that's everywhere around him, but then God says, "You know what? 
I'm bringing the Babylonians, and and they're they're some bad guys. They're yeah, very violent, very um, very harmful to to those yeah. that they want to be. So, I believe there's something about destruction in there somewhere. Yeah, they they don't. I mean, they <laughs> they don't care. They, it's they not sweet their land. people. They sweep people up like sand. Yeah. Um. So the next one, they were hardened. Um. So they they are battle tested. They're they go in and they're like, uh, they they don't think they can be beat. Mm-hmm. Um, they're unafraid um, of other nations who had reputation and military might. Um, and, and in the scriptures, it says uh, mock, joke, and laugh. Um, these shows that you know they're they don't think that their opponents are much to think about in war at all. Yeah, um, they they are very confident. You could almost say cocky, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, well deserved cockiness. And, and and if you think about it, when they come into if they or when they come into Judea, I mean, God's already said these are the people who are going to overtake you. Yeah, that cockiness is kind of well deserved because God's yeah. on their side. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so I wonder if they knew that. <laughs> I was about to say I don't know if they knew that or not, but I mean, if God's on your side, you you can't. You can't be beat. So yeah, um, it, it's a very it's a weird thing to think about these these guys who don't have any gods having a god having our god on their side, yeah. destroying or um, bringing defeating, judgment, bringing judgment to the people of God's God, people. the people of our God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird it's a weird um, thing to think about for sure. Yeah, and the last one they were hell bent. So, I mean, again, they idolize their own strength. Their strength is their own God is what Habakkuk writes. Um, and they are, I mean, the, this book says they are hell-bent on conquest and trusted their own strength to subdue other nations. They didn't have any other gods. They didn't acknowledge God's sovereignty. Um, yeah. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worship themselves. Um, they're guilty before God, and their military prowess is going to be very short-lived when you think about the entirety of history. Yeah. But for this time, they're, they are being used by God to bring judgment to God's people. Yeah. And it's, you know, they are uh, resilient. They are not going to give up until they're, uh, they meet their objective. Mm-hmm. And it's um, really kind of God's people's fault. Yep. For, for for that, they brought it on themselves by not living like uh, God told them to live. So, um, but yeah, that is no, com- no comment on that one. <laughs> hey, now I think I've already made that comment. <laughs> yeah, you have. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is the Babylonians in a nutshell, and that's probably the most I've ever talked. Pretty I much straight. <laughs> um, that's why I did that. In I was like sixty-eight I'm- episodes. <laughs> I want you. I want you to go to town on this. I love it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, God chose to use the Babylonians. He could have used mm-hmm. any people, but he chose to use the Babylonians. Um, and again, they have a reputation in the area for being the people that they are. Yes. And the story there is don't think you're important because you're bringing judgment on God's people <laughs> because you will be cast aside with a quickness <laughs> for real. So, um, so that's Habakkuk one through, uh, one, one through 11. We'll pick yep. up next week in verse 12. That's, and that's the first conversation that we have. And, 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 uh, there's going to be a couple of conversations and, and then, uh, God's going to answer 
and Habakkuk in the last chapter, chapter three, is going to be like, yep, okay, all right, yeah, you're right, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going to come around. See, it takes him three chapters. It takes Job 40-something chapters. 40 yeah. chapters. There, there's so. like four chapters of just God going, hey, where were you when I did this? Oh, yeah, and where were you when I did this? Oh, yeah, and did you make that? Did you make it's this like, other It's thing? like God no. is almost like, oh, I'm not having this conversation again. <laughs> Habakkuk. Just, this is the Cliff Notes version of Job is, is what this is. <laughs> wow, we just, we just reduced Habakkuk to the Cliff Notes version of Job. That's awesome. I mean, is it so, is it anything more? Is it? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a that's a good discussion. And and you know, honestly, we thought when we started this, we were going to tackle Habakkuk in like two weeks and be done with it. And nope. then now we're like, it's going to be like six months. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's like any other time when a pastor starts a, a series on X, Y, and Z, and it's like, oh, this is like a four or six week series. Yeah. And you start it in January, and in July, they're like, hey, remember that series we started back in January? So we're gonna my finish favorite it soon, one, maybe. My favorite one was uh, was when at Mars Hill uh, we were when we were doing the Book of Ephesians. It's six chapters long, so we figured one chapter per month. One chapter a month. I mean, I was like, okay, that's pretty fair. That's a pretty fair breakdown. Um, we spent on six chapters of Ephesians. We spent eighteen months in Ephesians, and and it just turned into this this deep study of of god's word and it, it's it it that's what i like about churches that preach exegetically because you have the freedom to just say you know what we don't have to have to fit into a schedule or this certain type of preaching frame we're just going to go until we finish this book and we're going to cover it appropriately and we're going to teach our people what the word of god says mm-hmm. so that's a little funny story it just reminded me of that when we, we were talking about it so uh, Michael, if people want to find us on social media, where would they do that finding? If our listeners want to find us on social media, and they made it all the way this far without hearing the intro, <laughs> um, you can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. We are also on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Beers and Bible Podcast and looking for the logo of our podcast there. And then you can also email us over at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Any questions about what we've been discussing or any beer suggestions that you have for us to try. Um, We'd love to hear from you and uh, we look forward to that. So until next week, when we pick up uh, the end of chapter one, we'll move into chapter two a little bit. Uh, We want you to have a great week. Enjoy Habakkuk. And uh, find some way to enjoy a little bit of beer and speak positive uh, gospel messages into the world around you. Do it. Peace out. See ya.